Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm Awad. This is the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Always available on the go on the free Odyssey app. Download it today by searching 910 The Fan, and you can hear us live and local Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk because it gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and then pick up right where you left off. And this is another edition of AWOD On the Road, presented by Cowan Gates Live from the 2023 ACC tip-off in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I was here just about six months ago for ACC kickoff, talking all things college football, ACC tip-off all week long. We will dive into college basketball season and go around the ACC today. We begin with the women, and the biggest storyline is obviously the Lady Hokies, fresh off their incredible Final Four run, led by head coach Kenny Brooks. Well, he's got his two stars back with him, and they'll be here today at Radio Row. That's point guard Georgia Amor and center Liz Kitley back with the Hokies to make another run. They've got a very difficult non-conference schedule, including a game here in Charlotte against Iowa and then a tournament game against LSU and Angel Reese, the women's champions from last season. But you guys know how we like to start the show every day, by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. That's not the sports wallet, definitely not the sports phone. It's time for the sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64 This one, this one. The sports app. And we get things started by closing the book on week seven of the NFL season as the Vikings surprise everyone. Monday Night Football taking down the mighty 49ers thanks to the best primetime performance of Kirk Cousins' career, but it didn't start that way. Just three plays into the game, Kirk Cousins picks up right where he left off with another primetime performance. Third play of the game, a short pass to the right intended for Jordan Addison was intercepted by the 49ers. The problem was the Niners would then go five plays and fumble on the fifth play of their drive as Christian McCaffrey dropped the ball, let the ball loose, and then Kirk Cousins got the ball back and did not make a mistake this time, connecting deep right with Jordan Addison. And it was the Jordan Addison show tonight as Justin Jefferson was out for the Vikings. Who is going to step up? J.A. Jordan Addison catches this 20-yard pack from Kirk. And the extra point was good as the Vikings took the lead. The 49ers rush for Kirk straight drop. Loops to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. It's a high five for Jordan Addison. His fifth touchdown this season. And the Vikings have taken a 6-0 lead. And then once again, it was Kirk Cousins connecting with his favorite wide receiver, rookie Jordan Addison, with a 60-yard bomb catch and run from Kirk Cousins in the second quarter as the Vikings would go on to defeat the 49ers 22-17. Here's the call on KFAN. Cousins fires over the middle, and it is caught by Addison. 20-10, touchdown! That time, Jordan Addison stole it from Charvarius Ward, and it's a 60-yard touchdown. 
So now we got to talk about Brock Purdy's performance in that game. And this is two games in a row where he's really struggled. 21 for 30, 272 yards. Typical Brock Purdy game. The only difference is he turned the ball over twice. Two interceptions, both of those in the fourth quarter that hurt the 49ers' chances of coming back in this game. They made it a game there in the second quarter and then in the third and had a chance in the fourth quarter, two drives that if they ended up in in the end zone would have given the 49ers the lead and maybe the win. But the Vikings' defense holds up. Really good game from the Vikings' defense overall. Uh, they just did not give the Niners any room. McCaffrey held to three yards a carry, 45 yards rushing uh, throughout the game. He was able to get into the end zone with a touchdown catch and had 51 yards receiving. But without Debo Samuel, you see there's a weakness in this receiving core for the 49ers. Ayuk, 57 yards off of five catches. George Kittle was the leading receiver. Five catches for 78 yards. And for the most part, the Vikings did a really good job against the superstar tight end. So the Vikings moved to 3-4 and four on the season with a Monday night football surprise victory, 22-17. Let's take a listen to quarterback one of the Niners, Brock Purdy, after the loss to the Vikings. Yeah, it was just a bad ball. Uh, JJ did a good job on his route, and um, D-line got a, a good push on us, and I sort of just was trying to anticipate the throw. Um, at the end of the day, it was a bad ball, and um, obviously I, I threw it too far ahead of him, so yeah. Yeah, it's not the type of performance that he would have hoped for on Monday night in prime time, as the 49ers have now lost two in a row to the Browns and the Vikings and it doesn't get very much easier for them uh, next week against the Bengals at home. Then they travel to Jacksonville. I mean, we could be looking at a surprise four-game losing streak for the 49ers. Uh, we knew Christian McCaffrey was beat up and wasn't going to be at 100%. We knew Debo Samuel was out. Uh, but I don't think we all uh, thought that Brock Purdy was going to have a couple back-breaking interceptions in the fourth quarter. Here's Coach Kyle Shanahan talking to reporters after his team's second loss in a row. We flat out got beat, and I think right now you got to take it like a man. And we got a game here, and you know I think tomorrow um, we wake up. It'll be five days from now. We got a team coming off a of bye week who's been waiting for this for a little bit, and we can't sit here and worry about what's happened before this. We got to make sure that we do everything from now all the way till Sunday when that game's over. Let's take a listen to Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins after his prime time Monday night win over the 49ers. Yeah, I've always just viewed it as being a point guard and distributing, and whoever the other players are out there, I'll just be the distributor. And that's kind of the way I've always played going back to high school. So um, I've been fortunate to play with a lot of talented skill players through my years, and and uh, I'll keep doing that. But really, it's just my thought is I'm the point guard distributing to whoever it may be, and then Kevin's kind of the coach drawing it up, and, and I just got to go execute it. Let's move over to the MLB on the sports app. And October baseball has not let us down. Playoff baseball is always fun. The second season, and uh, we had one game seven last night, and the early game, the D-backs forced a game seven tonight as it was Cattell Marte hitting an RBI triple to give the Diamondbacks a 4-1 lead over the Phils in the top of the fifth, and then Cattell Marte again breaking the game open in the top of the seventh as Arizona went on to win 5-1 to one and tie the series at three games apiece. Nola holds, and the pitch. 
Swing, and that's a line drive down the right field line. Fair ball into the corner. Carroll powering towards third. It gets away from Castellanos. Carroll's going to score easily. Marte on his way to third, and it's an RBI triple. Diamondbacks extend their lead. It's now 4-1. to one. His 2-2 pitch to Marte with one out. And a base hit. Here comes Perdomo around third. He's going to score. Another RBI hit by Marte, and it's 5-1 Diamondbacks. Over to the Astros against the Rangers, and it was Adolis Garcia who was unbelievable for the Rangers on this game. First a single to left center, scoring Evan Carter All right, in the first inning. Then in the fourth inning, it's another single, scoring Corey Seager. And then, oh yeah, in the eighth, let me just hit a home run. Uh, to put this game to bed. The Rangers would go on to beat the Strohs 11-4. Here are those three calls from ESPN Radio as the Rangers would make it to the World Series. And the 3-2 on the way to Garcia. And that ball smoked to left field. Did he do it again? Incoming, it's off the wall. Carter read it beautifully. He's coming in to score. Garcia didn't get a great jump out of the box. He may have thought he had a homer. He's at first, but it's 2-0 Rangers. There's no way that I am pitching to this guy right here right now. In a 6-2 game, 2-0 pitch to Garcia, runners at second and third. Hits it on the ground and through. Carter with his speed, rounds third, and two will score as Seager steps on it. Then Carter and Adolis Garcia is three for three tonight. Texas is destroying Houston pitching. They lead it 8-2 in the fourth. Sky high to left, and the Crawford boxers are waiting, and that's where it lands! Adolis Garcia has his second home run tonight and his 20th RBI of the postseason. Take a listen to the celebration here on the final call on ESPN Radio as the Rangers advance to the World Series, defeating the Astros 11-4. Rangers ready to explode over the dugout rail. Their fans behind them standing. One ball, two strikes. Two out pitch to Tucker. On the ground to second. Should do it. Simeon throws to first. And the Texas Rangers. 90 wins in the regular season fly cross country. And their journey will bring them to the World Series for the first time since 2011 as they roll over. The Houston Astros. Now over to the NBA with the season beginning tonight. Yes, basketball returns here as I'm in Charlotte for the ACC tip-off. Don't worry, we'll talk college basketball throughout the show today. But the NBA returns with the Lakers against the Nuggets and then the late game, your Suns against the Golden State Warriors. So in the first game, you get to see First look at the NBA champions back on the court, Nikola Jokic and his Denver Nuggets against the Lakers. And we know the Lakers want revenge from that playoff loss last season. And then in the late game, our first chance to see Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. And that new looks Phoenix Suns team uh, highly anticipated this season. Everyone thinks that with that much talent, they should be able to cruise to a top four seed in the Western Conference. But I know Golden State wants to have something to say about that. I mean, Chris Paul goes from Phoenix, is in Washington for one day before he goes to Golden State. He'll be in that backfield uh, backcourt there with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. They're hoping for a big season for him. He spent all offseason 
working out to make sure that athletically his body was back at an NBA level. And then your Washington Wizards begin their season tomorrow at 7 p.m. That's Wednesday at 7 p.m. against the Indiana Pacers. We'll give you guys a full season preview tomorrow on a Wizards Wednesday as Dave Johnson the play-by-play -play radio voice of the Washington Wizards joins that show. And we broadcast all Wizards games right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Uh, so I did place the season-long sweat bet on the Wiz. I'm hoping they can get into the playoffs, turn a little $65 bet into $1,000. Uh, but I, I think as a fan base, we should focus on the over-under total for the season that was set really low at just 23 and a half. And if this team is not going to blow it up, then I expect them to easily get over that 23.5 mark here. Now, there was Wizards news a few days ago. Denny Avdia signs a four-year extension. I love the, the signing and the extension uh, as a Denny fan, but it's also a very tradable contract. So I do think that the new GM and president for the Wizards, Tommy, uh, Tommy Shepard out, uh, Will Dawkins in, and I, I do think that they want to have tradable assets and guys that they can get rid of and kind of pivot in the beginning of this season. Remember, I told you guys, if you took over an NBA franchise, why would you say, oh, we're just going to tank on purpose and lose every game and try to get the number one draft pick when this isn't a high draft class? They want to take over and see if they can work some things around, change a few pieces, change the system, play a more defensive style, and win some games compared to the last regime. Why would you take over and then just say, hey, we're just going to give up and quit. We're just going to try to lose every game. I think they might do that next season, and I might all be all be all in on the tank next season for a guy like Cooper Flagg or the Boozer Twins. Uh, but this year's just not the year to do that. It's got to be a year where you try to build some momentum with your young rookie, Bilal Koulibaly, who seems like he's going to be able to play right away on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then offensively, you got to hope that Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, it's the Poole and Kuz show, and that they're able to score 25 points a game. I did predict already. I think after having 41 in preseason already, Jordan Poole, he's going to have 50 in a Wizards uniform at home at Capital One Arena. So we might not win many games this year, but it's going to be fun to watch if certain guys go off left and right. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now, at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And it's a special AWOD on the road show today, live from Charlotte, North Carolina, for the 2023 ACC tip-off. I'll be joined by several members of the Lady Hokies, including Coach Kenny Brooks coming up at 12.30, and then tomorrow we turn the page to men's basketball in the ACC, and there are a ton of great storylines on the men's side of the ball. But right now we bring in a little Michael Phillips for some crosstalk. What's going on, MP? Man, I, I was thrilled by the Virginia Tech story last year that going to the Final Four, you're going to have a ton of fun down there in Charlotte. That's always a great event. Sometimes they have, like, you know, they have the little cookies, like with the ACC printed on them and icing. I think that's a nice touch. Yeah, it's, it's a big time event. Oh, yeah. So yesterday I arrived here probably around 8 30 p.m. All right. A nice drive down I 85. And I, you know, Michael, I told somebody when I was driving here, I said, 85 is beautiful. And they said, you're the only person that that's ever said wow. 85 is beautiful or peaceful. But 
I think it is so much better than I-95. Uh, like in, in your power rankings of Virginia interstates, right? Ooh. So so 81's the best, right? 81's your one seed because it's going through the mountains. It's it's yep. the most beautiful for sure. Um, I think the question is whether you're taking 85 or 64 next. Um I think there's a case to be made for 85 for sure. Some open spaces. I'm probably going to go 64. I'm a big mountain guy. I love me some mountains. 95, not even last. It's just below last. It's not on the list. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a great ranking. We, we should spend more time on that uh, in the future. Yeah, let's save that for next summer so we don't have to talk baseball. Uh, but I show up about 830, and I see this sign that says ACC tip-off. VIP reception. Ooh. And, you know, I haven't even checked in yet. I haven't gotten my badge or anything, but I just walked over there. You know who I ran into? David Teal. I love David Richmond Teal. Times Dispatch. And uh, he was having a water. So, you know, as I said, oh, that's a great sign for me to grab a few beers. <laughs> so I grabbed a, a Miller Light, and it was all paid for by the ACC. Thanks to the ACC, they had all this great liquor there, too. And they had like a taco bar. So it really was a cool uh, reception. But, Michael, I wanted to ask you this. All right. I had this long drive. I'm hungry, but I did not want to eat in front of all the media members. Because yeah, so I sent you that photo. You're going to just shovel food in your mouth, right? Like that. It, yeah, it's not a right. dignified eating here. You're not nibbling. No, I, I knew I was going to be embarrassed trying to, especially tacos. They fall all over the place. You know, oh, oh yeah, David Teal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UVA is going to be pretty good this year as I'm, you know, fumbling cheese out of my mouth. So I decided to <laughs> forego the tacos. I just stared at them and took photos of them. Had a few beers, and then I went to Hooters last night for the wings. <laughs> bone in or boneless? Bone, bone in. Here's the question. Uh, I, I had to ask the waitress. I said, and she was a beautiful waitress, love going to Hoots. Um, she said, do you want roasted or smoked? I said, I don't know the difference. Wait. And um, so she, she told me to go with smoked. Roasted? Roasted would be like yeah. oven-baked. I'm used to... Smoked or fried being the two options uh, for, yeah. for wing. Roasted is it? Roasted sounds a little bit like you know when you go to a pizza place and they have wings, but they just roll them through the pizza oven, and clearly it's like just a, a half butt attempt at making wings there. Uh, that that's what yeah. roasted sounds like to me personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know they've got all these options: breaded, uh, roasted, smoked. There was a naked option. I'm like, of course, Hooters has a uh -huh. naked wings option. Ob obviously, you know, it's just a. Obviously, right. Uh, but I, I was kind of impressed with the um, with the North Carolina um, Hooters. So I got the smoked barbecue wings with Ooh. some curly fries. Oh, what a great choice! In the yeah. curly fries, man. That's you were just making good choices all over the place last night. Awad on a heater out there on the road. This you you were born for this. Well, I, I've been told that I should let my hair grow, and it's getting longer and curly, and that's why I got the curly fries to go with it. <laughs> all, all, all obviously forever think of Arby's when I think of curly fries, and like you know, Rich, what I didn't know, like Richmond Arby's are like special. Um, did you know this? Like the rest of the world, Arby's is just like a regular like fast food place and a regular <laughs> fast food, but Richmond has like the big signs with the cowboy hats, and like there was the one in the the James Center downtown that had like. You know, fine china dining, like white tablecloth. Arby's in Richmond, like it, 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 it hits next level apparently. Yeah, and I, I can't remember if it's a Hardee's or an Arby's that's right on Boulevard. They're going to turn into a hotel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you stay at this beautiful hotel? It used to, it used to have all the meats. 
<laughs> a, a Hardee's themed hotel is great because it's just, it's just old people milling around in the lobby drinking 25 cent coffee at all times. It's it, the the vibe there is immaculate. Like you go up to the room like Matlock's playing on the TV and it's like some grandma style wallpaper with some like flowers and horses and oh yeah, I mean I'm 100% in on a Hardee's-themed hotel. An Arby's-themed hotel, yeah, you just got like a meat carver in the lobby. Uh, the, the Continental Breakfast is just all, all you can meet. You know, just, just dudes carving meats everywhere for you. Um, there, are not, there are not enough fast food-themed hotels. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the Taco Bell Hotel obviously would be a party scene. That would, that would be good. I'd stay at that hotel. But we're on to something here. We need to start the franchising operation immediately. So, Michael, of course, I'm going to spend most of the day talking uh, UVA and Virginia Tech and going around the rest of the ACC, uh, both women's, men's basketball, and college football here with UVA getting their big win over UNC. But I'm still not over that loss on Sunday. And um, my biggest takeaway from the loss is that Ron Rivera simply put us in a terrible position by accepting the holding penalty on third and five, that would have forced a fourth and three, and then it led to the touchdown. And a part of here's what I think: the defense has struggled. I think he took the holding penalty just so that Chase Young would get credit for that play. Does that does that make any sense? No, because when you take the penalty, the play goes off the board, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, I think I think he did it because he thought this will push him out of field goal range. They're you know, like further back in field goal range. So they'll miss a field goal. He didn't want to run the risk of them going for the touch. It doesn't make. Why are we breaking down what Ron Rivera does? Ron Rivera's decisions don't make any sense, Adam. Yeah. I there's so many things you can point to. I mean, I I'll be honest. The thing that infuriated me the most was not calling a timeout before halftime to let Jamison Crowder even attempt a punt return. He's very good at it. There's. There's really no downside there. Maybe he fumbles it. That it feels like the odds of him running you into field goal range are far greater than the odds of him fumbling the ball and giving it to them. You just you know, if he doesn't do anything, if he needs to fair catch it, you can kneel on it then. But but make football happen. The Giants showed us or the the Vikings showed us that last night. Have the timeouts yeah. before halftime. I, I know you gotta go because you have an actual show to do. I gotta say the Hokies women's basketball. Three weeks from now, plays Iowa down there in Charlotte. I'm legit psyched for that game. I will watch every second of that game on the Espen. Yeah, you know, there was some talk about it at happy hour last night that uh, we should be making a trip for that game. It's going to be a big one. You'll you'll take me to the Hooters, introduce me to the Roasted Wings. (laughs) Uh, You you know, you you got an in? (laughs) Yeah, I I do. I do, but I... (laughs) I don't remember the lady's name, but she was she was very nice. She was she was very. I'll, I'll just call her Roasted Wings. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. That's MP on the mic. Check him out Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 noon. I'm broadcasting live from Charlotte, North Carolina, here for the 2023 ACC tip-off. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back to. AWOD Radio here broadcasting live from Radio Row for the 2023 ACC tip-off trip presented by Cowan Gage, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies Athletics, and I'm joined by the ladies Hokies head coach right now, Kenny Brooks. Coach, how are you? Uh, well, I'm still waking up, but I'm doing great. Uh, I, got, I got three beautiful young ladies here with me today representing Virginia Tech, uh, exciting season uh, ahead of us, and uh, looking forward to it. I mean, how has this offseason been for you with – the fan base knowing, hey, Liz Kitley and Georgia Amor are returning, expectations are going to be high. Yeah, they are, but we wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, BC Alternative, where people didn't expect you to do anything. But, uh, you know, having, having uh, 
Liz Kitley come back, Kayla Keene come back. Obviously, Georgia has uh, her senior year. Uh, it gives us a chance to go out and compete against the best of the best. And uh, those three, they've, they've been staples in our program for a long time. They've really set the precedent for us to be champions. And I uh, love being out there on the floor with them. And as I know, Hokie Nation loves being able to celebrate them and cheer for them. But uh, they, they've done a tremendous job, and I think they're going to really have a great year this year. And they're growing as leaders, they're growing as people, and they're growing as players. Such an incredible run last year and so many great storylines from the NCAA tournament. Angel Reese, LSU, Caitlin Clark, and it seems to me like women's basketball is at an all-time high for viewing. How does that make you feel? You know, it's great. You know, I think one of the things that was a proud moment for uh, for me, for women's basketball in general, was that, you know, maybe you don't need to have the big names, the Yukons or the Tennessees, in order to make the Final Four a success. And this year, you know, I think it was the highest viewership that they've had, um, you know, with 9.9 .9 million watching the championship game uh, and it was it was a great great tournament and uh, so it just goes to show that you know there's a lot more parity and women's basketball makes for a more exciting tournament and uh, we look forward to being a part of that I'm here with women's head coach Kenny Brooks and Liz Kitley returns and so for you guys just tuning in right now center Liz Kitley became the program's first 2,000 point scorer she's also the first in Virginia Tech women's basketball history and field goals blocks double doubles two-time ACC player of the year she's done it all and when I saw her yesterday she looked taller is that true she does you know she walks into my office every now and then I'm like did you grow and uh, you know so but she she's very she's very long she's athletic she's adding things to her game uh, she's never satisfied you know with all the accomplishments that she has you know it's so funny if you walk into my office every one of her trophies are in my office so you might think that I'm a decorated uh, you know basketball player but you know she's very humble very humble and it's all she wants to win and the only trophy that she really cares about is a championship trophy and uh, so having having someone like that be a leader of your program uh, just means great things are going to happen she's so humble she's confident uh, she's a competitor and uh, when you when you add those things up together you're going to get someone who's going to go out and be a great leader so tremendous tremendous tremendously happy that she came back uh, not only just for her basketball prowess, but because she's such a great leader. She's got her point guard with her. Her teammate for the pick and roll, Georgia Amor, won the ACC MVP of the ACC tournament in 2023, the Seattle region's most outstanding player. What other parts of her game did you want her to work on this offseason? We you know what, uh, you know, number one, she has to work on being uh, having a target on her back. You know, she's going to be the focal point of a lot. Uh, people are going to come in and try to take her away, so that they kind of like cutting the head off of a snake. And uh, but she she's she's been terrific. You know, she um, she's a workout queen. She loves to get in the gym. She wants to add to her game. Uh, very humble. Uh, it's just a joy being out there on the floor with her, watching her expand and grow as a player. Um, but she's such a great leader. You know, everyone follows her. Uh, she understands the assignment. She knows what I want from her. She knows what I want from the team, and she goes out and helps me. Uh, you know to relay that to the rest of the group. But I think you're going to see wonderful things for her. I think she's more confident this year right from the beginning. I think last year and the year previous, she's always been, you know, wanting to go out and facilitate for others more so than herself. And I think this year she'll be a little bit more aggressive. Coach, how do you think last year's experience of getting to the Final Four, all the media excitement, interviews left and right for you and all of your star players, help them prep for this season? I mean, they've got to have a lot of confidence. Yeah, anytime you can make a deep run into the uh, – 
to the NCAA tournament, it's going to give you a lot of experience, a lot of confidence. You know, I used, I used to remember hearing people say, well, this group doesn't have big game experience. Well, you can't get big game experience until you start playing in big games. And we were able to play and win. And I thought they handled themselves extremely well. You know, the moment was never too big for them. Uh, they went out and they knew what they had to do. They knew their assignments and they went out and they, uh, they executed them. And so now that experience is only going to pay dividends for us as we continue to move forward. We know this year that we're going to have people really coming after us. It's not going to be, we're not a challenger anymore. You know, we're kind of like a championship brand and uh, people are going to really, you know, focus in on us. You know, we, we got the highest preseason ranking that we've ever had in Virginia Tech history. So we're not going to sneak up on anyone. And uh, I think these kids, you know, with the experience that they had last year, uh, it's going to bode well for them. And I think that they're going to be able to handle that, you know, with, with style, with grace, uh, and with confidence. Coach, expectations are high. I'm excited for the season. And your record out of conference is incredible, 93-18 and 18 overall. But this year, some very tough non-conference opponents. What are your thoughts on the schedule? Well, it, it was exactly what we wanted. It's a little bit of a mixture of uh, we had some high-level games in there with Iowa and uh, LSU. And we've got a game with Kansas and the uh, Cayman Islands. Um, but we also needed some games that we were going to be able to get challenged, uh, but we were able to get some young players some experience. And uh, so I'm excited about that. I think it's a great balance between uh, the ACC schedule that we have. You know, a lot of great teams in the ACC that we're going to have to prepare for and get ready for. And, and it's kind of like a gauntlet. Once you get into, you know, January, February, you're playing in a gauntlet because every team in the ACC is so good. And, uh, and with us playing against, you know, Carolina twice, Duke twice, NC State twice, and the University of Virginia twice, you know, you didn't want to load up too much on the front end and not give your kids enough time to have some confidence and gain some confidence. So uh, I like our schedule. I think it's going to be one that's going to bode well for us and it's going to help us in the long run. Coach Kenny Brooks with us here, women's basketball coach for Virginia Tech Hokies. And you've eight, eight season eight, right, for you, Coach? Season eight, you went 16-1 and one at home last year. How have you seen that environment, that home environment, grow in energy over the course of your time with the program? Yeah, Hokie Nation's been great. Uh, you know, I've always said, you know, they, they can make a good team great. And when you get into Castle Coliseum and that place gets to rocking, it's definitely worth about eight points a game. And so, uh, you know, the way they came and showed up, especially towards the end of the year last year, uh, it meant a lot to me because our kids work extremely hard. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of disheartening. It was kind of disheartening when, you know, we first started this thing and uh, you would go to a men's game and it was sold out. And then you come to a women's game and it wasn't as uh, well attended. And then now, you know, you're starting to see, uh, you know, people come out and support the young women who work so hard and they deserve it so much. So that that means a lot to me. And for them to be able to play in front of sold out crowds and, you know, just with a lot of people there supporting them, it means a lot, you know, because you don't want to go out and play in an uh, empty gym. But Hokie Nation, they're loyal fans. Uh, they've been so supportive of us uh, throughout, you know, my tenure here. And I look forward to next year and see what they can help us do. Coach, always appreciate the time. Love having you on the show. we got to get you to Richmond sometime. There's a big Hokie fan base in Richmond. I'd love to be there. love to be there. But, uh, you know, Hokie Nation's everywhere. But Richmond's always been really good to us. So anytime, just let me know. Thanks so much, Coach. That was Lady Hokies head coach Kenny Brooks, now in his eighth season and maybe with higher expectations than ever. Last year, the program was put on the map with the ladies getting to the Final Four. And you know what? Liz Kitley and Georgia Amor decided to team up once again and return this season. And because of that and a few of the transfers that they brought in, there are big-time major expectations for the program with a very tough schedule. You heard me talk to him about some of the out-of-conference games. Well, the season begins November 6th against High Point. Hokies ranked 8 right now 
in the AP Top 25 preseason. And then it's the blitz, all right? It's oh, Iowa against Virginia Tech uh, with a neutral site game November 9th. Then a couple okay out-of-conference games. Then it's Kansas, Tulane, and then LSU against Virginia Tech on November 30th. Of course, Angel Reese returns for LSU and the number one ranked LSU Tigers against the Hokies. It's going to be a big battle and I can't wait for it. I'm fired up for the Lakey Hokies this season. Of course, I'll be following the men's side as well. But this is the one of the elite programs in the ACC, thanks to the hard work of Coach Kenny Brooks, the recruiting, and really the development of these players. You know, Elizabeth Kitley was not a star when she walked on campus. Now she is. She can't even walk around campus without being recognized as she is the two-time ACC Player of the Year. And George Amor, her buddy, I'm wearing her shirt today. She was the 2023 ACC Conference Tournament MVP. And she returns again with her incredible elite sharp shooting from behind the arc. She's got insane speed to be able to get to the basket and break away uh, from the press and get out in transition. And I'm really looking for that one-two combination this season between Liz Kitley and Georgia Amor. I'm Adam Epstein. Once again, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row, courtesy of Cowan Gates, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies Athletic Programs. Of course, you hear me with them. They sponsor the Bill Roth Report, the Cowan Gates Hokies Update every Wednesday at 1.30. They practice personal injury, family law, divorce, business, and corporate law. You can get in touch with them CowanGates.com. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Virginia Tech Hokies. And thanks to Cowan Gates Law Firm, I am here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Hilton, uptown Charlotte, for the 2023-2024 ACC tip-off. Today it's the women's, tomorrow We move over to talk about the men, and so I've got a ton of interviews lined up on the show today. We'll talk with head coach Kenny Brooks from the Lady Hokies as they try to make another deep tournament run. Last year ended in the Final Four, thanks to two-time ACC Player of the Year, Elizabeth Kitley. She'll join me on the show today. Georgia Amor, the point guard from Australia, back for her senior season, will join the show as well, and then we'll catch up with the ladies at UVA but right now I wanted to get back into the Washington Commanders because I'm still upset about that loss on Sunday so let me do a little Commanders Corner here on A1 Radio if you want to chime in the lines are open 833-804-0910 833-804-0910 you can always tweet us throughout the show at 910thefan and at A1 Radio and simply the reason I'm so upset about Sunday is because I feel like this team got out-coached on all sides of the ball, right? We, we, you know, we talk about Ron Rivera all the time, and I'm not a fan of him. But he was out-coached by Brian Dable. But that's not the worst part of it. Wink Martindale completely out-coached Jack Del Rio. And then Eric Bieniemy had his worst game coaching the ball. So they just simply out-coached on all sides of the ball. It was a nightmare performance. And you know what? This is the third nightmare of the season already. Three nightmares in just seven weeks. That's what we've dealt with here already in the 2023 season. Those things were supposed to change when Dan Snyder sold the franchise to Josh Harris. Josh Harris better be paying attention because I think there's a chance that this game, this regime here with Ron Rivera 
is going to come crumbling apart in the next few weeks here. So I listened to Jay Gruden on with Chris Russell as I drove here down I-85, which I'll tell you, I think is a peaceful drive. There's no traffic like 95. It's not backed up bumper to bumper. But I was listening to the Rooster talk with former head coach Jay Gruden, and he didn't understand Ron Rivera's decision to accept the penalty in the first quarter. All right, if you're just paying attention, what happened was Tyrod Taylor was stopped on a third and five from the five, third and goal, to force a fourth and three. But Chase Young got right past the right tackle, was yanked to the ground, and got a holding penalty. Well, I'm okay with accepting a holding penalty unless it brings up fourth down, right? And I think that most coaches should know that the rule is you never accept a penalty that forces a fourth down that gets your defense off the field unless, there's one caveat, unless it takes the team out of field goal range, unless it takes them from the 45 to the 55 or something like that. But not this was not the case at all. No, it took them from the 5 to the 15, or you could have had 4th and 3 with a 0-0 game, and they already had their kicker miss a kick. They weren't going to go for it in that situation. They were saying, oh, it's a 30-yard field goal. We'll take the lead. We'll take the lead. And you know what? If you trust your defense, so what? It's 4th and 3. You get off the field with the stop there on 4th down. You create a turnover. Instead, he accepts the penalty, terrible coaching, and then Jack Del Rio completely lets them down with the 3rd and 15 soft-shell zone that lets Darren Waller go up the middle like he's Calvin Johnson and just come down with a touchdown grab. And all of a sudden, you're down 7 nothing. So that was just one aspect of terrible coaching from Sunday that's really starting to piss me off here on a Tuesday. I mean, I I'm sorry. I can't get over it. I, I don't usually turn the page until Wednesday here. And then we got to look at the offensive side of the ball. He scored seven points for the entire game. And really, it was a mess for 60 minutes. One of the scores came off of a botched punt. A botched punt. We should have had zero points. Really. And I'm not sure if if it's a Sam Howell thing or if it's an Eric Bieniemy thing. Because I think the blame goes on both of them. Like, number one, Sam just is not understanding the protection that you need against a blitz. And Eric Bieniemy is also making things way too difficult for a young quarterback. I mean, some of those sacks against the Giants were just completely unacceptable. When you watch the tape, guys were running free left and right. Nick Gates getting burnt by a simple stunt. Andrew Wiley was bad. All five guys on the offensive line had bad plays. Every time you watch it, every time you watch it, four guys rush. One of them gets through. Five guys rush. One of them gets through. Six guys rush. One of them doesn't even get touched and gets right to quarterback Sam Howell. And so maybe you could say, oh, Howell wasn't sliding the protection. Or you could say, well, Coach Bieniemy didn't put enough guys in the backfield there to make a block, or maybe he did put Brian Robinson back there. He just missed, and that's what it was. It was just a miss fest. They just missed on all cylinders for 60 minutes. Michael Phillips, who you can hear right here on 910 The Fan, MP on the mic from 10 to noon, always says that Ron Rivera's teams never bottom out, and statistically that's true. He always finds a way to work his way towards 500 at the end of the season. You know, they go on a three- or four-game winning streak, in November or December, and all of a sudden, they're seven and nine. They're eight, eight and one. They're seven and ten, over and over again, year after year. The question is, is this the year that Ron Rivera's team does bottom out? Because to me, it feels like he's very close to losing the locker room if he hasn't already lost them completely, right? I mean, you heard the words of Jonathan Allen after that game. He's tired of this s for seven years. It's been the same s, and for four years with Ron Rivera, it's been the same s over and over again. Slow starts. 
slow start, no adjustments made until halftime, right? It, it you know, I, I just hate watching this team come out and go three and out, three and out, three and out. Oh, we got one first down and then another three and out. And, and then you punt the ball and it just becomes you're, you're relying on your defense to shut the opposing team out with a battle of field possession there. That's never how you want to win in this game. And, and so I, I think offensively part of the issue is that they weren't taking deep shots. You heard McLaurin speak out about that saying, hey, if they're going to press us and blitz us, throw me the deep shot here. Let me have a chance to make a play in the first quarter rather than the fourth quarter. And then the defensive side of the ball, the issue there is that they can't get off the field on third down. And they get called for too many penalties. And I've heard you guys call into the sports junkies this morning and call into all the different shows throughout the entire DMV. And the fan base feels the same way about this team. If this was a good coached football team, they wouldn't have this many penalties. If this was a good coached football team, they wouldn't always be down at the end of the first half. If this was a good fo coach football team, they would know when to challenge, right? They would know when to accept a penalty or, or decline a penalty. And so I just think that Ron Rivera has completely lost his fastball, and this could be the year that his team does bottom out. And all of a sudden, we go from a team that was 3-3 three and three to a team that's 3-8. and eight. I mean, it really could happen over the next four weeks of the season. Does not get any easier as the Commanders face off once again with the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday as Sam Howell's been sacked 40 times through seven games. That's on pace to break the record, the NFL record for most sacks allowed in a year. The Eagles, they're looking to build off of their big win Sunday night over the Dolphins. I mean, these teams couldn't come into this matchup more opposites right now with the Commanders having their worst loss of the season to the Giants. Eagles have their best win of the season over the high-powered Dolphins offense, and they really made it easy. Uh, they made it look easy because they were able to rush and get to Tua, but also they didn't blitz too many guys. They had, were able to sit their linebackers back in zone and, and force Tua to try to squeeze it into small windows, and he wasn't able to get it done. Now, one thing that's interesting, and we don't have an injury report on this yet, but Jalen Hurts was running with an obvious limp on Sunday night and added a knee brace to his uniform in the second half. Now, after the game, he told reporters he feels fine, and when asked about any knee issue going forward, he said, I hope not. Uh, but I don't know that Jalen Hurts has been 100% at all this season dealing with that shoulder injury. Now there's a possibility of a knee injury, and, and maybe it, it limits his ability to get out on the move, right, and, and, and extend the plays and move the pocket, and that's where he's been most successful uh, against the Washington Commanders. So if we're going to have any chance this Sunday, the offense has got to figure out how to deal with blitzes. They've got to get into the film room there and just watch over and over again, watch the tape, and have a conversation with Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell and the entire offensive line and the offensive line coach on how they're going to solve this sack issue. And then defensively, try to get Hurts early and see if you can you know, get him off of his spot, get him off of his game uh, because of maybe with a knee concern or even a shoulder injury. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row in Charlotte, North Carolina. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. we got a lot to get to on the show today covering women's basketball in the ACC. Looking forward to talking with Coach Kenny Brooks, Elizabeth Kitley, George Amore, and Kayla King. This trip is presented by Cowan Gates, huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies. You can follow them Online today, check out 
all of their work, cowandgates.com. You can get in touch with them. Their office is in Richmond at 804-320-9100. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. On the air, online, and in your ear, this is Richmond's exclusive home of the Washington Commanders in the NFL. The new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Tired of getting fleeced by the credit card companies? How would you like to be credit card debt-free? Neighborhood Lender can do it for you. Hey there, Gary Hess here. Neighborhood Lender is now offering fast, easy home equity loans. You can borrow against your house without doing a whole refi. Keep your primary loan intact, but tap your equity to get the cash you need to pay off credit cards now or pay off other high-interest debt. Get yourself on better financial footing for 2023. With a home equity loan, you can access up to 95% of your home's value if you want, and you probably won't even need an appraisal. Rates have come down, so this is a great time to act. Let me say it again, Neighborhood Lenders Home Equity Line of Credit can let you tap a specific amount of your home's equity without touching your low primary mortgage rate. Call Neighborhood Lender now. Stop the fleecing. Wipe out that credit card debt now. Call 804-643-LOAN. That's 804-643-LOAN. Neighborhood Lender, 804-643-LOAN. Equal housing lender, NMLS 69349, subject to lender approval. Doug knew something was wrong. I just didn't quite have the energy that I once did. and was having performance issues in the bedroom and some brain fog. I figured I had to do something. Fortunately, he got the message he needed. I heard the Men's Wellness Center ads on the radio. Naturally, Doug made an appointment right away. They were all very professional and courteous. They checked all my levels. Half of the male population over 50 suffer from low T, and Doug was one of them. My testosterone levels were low, and they got me in a good strong, healthy zone. Men's Wellness Center's ED treatments are effective in nearly 90% of cases. They've successfully treated thousands of men. So how's it going for Doug? I'm just much more alert. Physically, I feel stronger, and of course, I'm able to perform a lot better in the bedroom. Your initial appointment is only $99, including blood work and medical consultation. I think any man out there who has any doubt should give the Men's Wellness Center a call or stop in their office. Call now, 800-951-6164, 800-951-6164, or go to menswellnesscenters.com.